Hello, and welcome to the G2 Podcast. So, how does a penguin build his house? He glues it together. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Hey. <laughs> so, my first job out of university was working on a farm. And like many of the jobs I've had over the years, I got sacked. It was a strange job. I once got headbutted by a sheep called Doris, chased by a herd of angry chickens. I crashed a JCB. They should have sacked me sooner, let's be honest. But the thing that got me sacked was the wall I built. You've all heard of Bob the Builder, right? Can we fix it? Yes, we can. I'm a bit more like, can we bodge it? Yeah, mate, we'll have a go. Do you know what I mean? Now, I built this garden wall, and it looked amazing. I No bricklaying experience, but I thought, it's just big Lego, isn't it? How hard can it be? And it took me a couple of days to build, and I thought this wall looked fantastic. Until my boss leant on it, and the whole thing collapsed, taking him with it, bricks flying everywhere. And he sacked me on the spot, covered in dust and bricks. And what I'd done apparently wrong is just laid a few bricks on top of each other and thought, eh, it'll be right. But apparently, what I should have done is dug down first, put some bricks down, some foundations to give it strength, but that's effort who can be bothered, right? But I guess what I learned by being sacked is that foundations are important. They are what gives a building its strength. When you build something, the deeper and stronger the foundations, the stronger the building will be. But I want to suggest to you, it isn't just buildings that need foundations. It's our lives as well. Because everything we do and everything we are is built on a foundation of some kind. Having the right foundation in life can help guide our life choices. It helps us live intentionally because we end up making better decisions. Foundations, the right ones, are important to help us live well. But when we say it's important to have the right foundations in life, what do we actually mean? Well, in the Bible, the life we build, the identity we create, and the character others see developing in us is often described like building a house. Each thought is a brick, each motive is a floorboard. We might have one room for our hobby, another for the job, a cage out the back for the mother-in-law. But building our lives, our character, our identity is described like building a house. Now, you'll either do it well, or if you're like me, you'll do it badly. But the, the most important part of building a life is right at the start. What foundation are you building on? If we've got a good foundation, then what we'll build will stand the test of time. But if we have bad foundations, it'll come crashing down. So when we talk about the foundations in your life, what the Bible actually means is, what's the most important thing in your life? What drives you? What gives you purpose? What's your passion? Because the foundation you build your life on will dictate how your life will go. Now, Jesus actually shows us in Matthew 7... Uh, the importance of this, where he describes the story of two men building houses. Jesus calls one guy wise because he builds his house on a strong foundation. That's really blurred. Sorry about that. And um, he describes another guy as foolish because he builds his house on a bad foundation. 
And when the storm comes, the foolish man's house collapses because it's built on a weak foundation. Without a strong foundation, what we are building will collapse. And it's the same when it comes to our lives. This life is hard and we need strong foundations for when the storm hits. We might not be building a house, but each of us is building a life. We all have hopes and dreams, callings and worries, fears and doubts. But what are we building our life on? What is our foundation? Will our lives stand when the storm hits? Because we can't avoid the storms that life brings. Jesus doesn't promise us a trouble-free life. Difficult times will come and we can do absolutely nothing to avoid it. So the foundations we build our lives on will be tested and we'll either stand or we're going to fall. I'll give you an example of a life that was built on a bad foundation. When I was 21, one of my closest friends killed herself. And when you see something like that, it gets inside you. It can rot you from the inside. And the foundations that my life was built on, rap music, uni, booze, it all came crashing down around me. I ended up having a complete mental collapse because the life I'd built for myself was built on the wrong foundations. And here's the thing. Our foundations are important. We can build our lives with all kinds of things as the foundation. Our identity, jobs, relationships, sex lives, money, family. But Jesus asks, will our foundations last? Or perhaps a better way to phrase it is, are the foundations that we have trustworthy? Some of us have our foundations in stuff like our pensions, owning a home, jobs, bank balances, and there's nothing wrong with that. But do those things truly bring happiness? When the storm hits, and it will, will they help us stand? Or we might have our foundations in values that aren't God's. We might think things like, I always deserve to be happy, or my life should be good. And that sounds lovely. But when the storm hits, our lives can be rocked because those foundations won't last. We can't build a life on a foundation of rubbish and then expect to live a life of blessing. We need solid foundations if we're going to live lives that have purpose, meaning, and make an impact and will stand when the storm hits. So I guess the question is, what does it practically look like to build a life on a good foundation? Turn with me in your Bibles or on your phones, if you would, to Matthew 16, 13 to 20. And we're going to see how important Jesus considers the right foundation to be. Now, just to give us a bit of context at this point in Scripture, uh, we've seen Jesus do all kinds of stuff, speak to all kinds of people, but it's at this point in Jesus' ministry where he starts to really narrow the focus of who he's talking to. So in Matthew 14, we see Jesus' ministry to the Jewish people of the time with the feeding of the 5,000. And in Matthew 15, we see Jesus talk to the non-Jewish people or the Gentiles with the feeding of the 4,000. And we pick up just after we see Jesus confront the religious leaders of the time for their lack of faith in him. And what we see Jesus doing from this point in Matthew's gospel is narrowing the focus of ministry mainly to his disciples. And he's preparing them for his death, 
resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus does that because he recognizes that life is going to get hard for the disciples and he wants to help equip them for what's to come. And the way he does that is by helping them dig deep foundations. You see, all the stuff Jesus had done to this point, all the healings, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, they did the groundwork. But Jesus wants to go deep with the disciples, to ground the foundations of who he is and how it will change the world deep in their hearts. Because the strongest foundations are the deepest. Are we willing to put our foundations deep into the person, presence and power of Jesus Christ? How deep will we go with this? And we find Jesus and the disciples in the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi. Don't want to pronounce that again. And that's a region famous for its worship of evil gods and people living all kinds of crazy lives. And it's against this backdrop of loads of different beliefs and conflicting ideas about how life should be lived that Jesus lays the foundations for the church. You see the same thing today. We live in a world that screams lots of different things about what you should believe, how we should live, and why you should live that way. And in a world like that, we need strong and deep foundations more than ever. So Jesus asks two questions. And the first one he asks is also kind of the least important. Jesus says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. It's a reference to the book of Daniel. But what Jesus is saying here is, who do people think I am? What are they actually saying about me? Now, Jesus isn't having some sort of identity crisis. He hasn't got an amnesia. He does know who he is. But what you see in the Bible when Jesus talks is he uses questions to guide people and to get people thinking. So here, Jesus is asking this question in order to bring the disciples to a transformational and fundamental point in their faith, to bring them to a point where they see Jesus for who he truly is. And what we see in the disciples' reply is that people have lots of ideas about who Jesus is, but none of them get it quite right. People think that Jesus is John the Baptist, or the prophet Elisha, or Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets like Habakkuk or Jonah. Each of those people in the Bible did amazing things for God, but none of them are God. So people at the time could see there was something really special about Jesus, but they just didn't fully get it. And you see a similar thing today. There are many, many views and opinions on who Jesus is, but unfortunately, most of them are wrong. People today might say that Jesus was a good moral teacher, or a powerful rabbi, or a prophet for another religion. Just like back then, people today still know that there's something really special about Jesus but they so often miss it by inches. And I want you to notice something. Jesus doesn't linger on the opinions of others about him. And what that shows us is that if our view of Jesus is mainly shaped by the opinions, the preferences, and the tolerances of others, then all we have is an idol called Jesus. Because the real Jesus shapes us. Jesus is not shaped by the world. So Jesus uses that question and those opinions to frame the most important question in Scripture. He asks, who do you say I am? 
this is the most important question the disciples will ever answer. In fact, it's the most important question that any of us will ever answer. Because how you answer that question determines what your life is built on. It determines how we live our lives, why we do the things we do, and it forces us to come face to face with the issue of, is our life truly built on the strong foundation of Jesus Christ? Peter says to Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are God. Now, if you, as we've been reading Matthew, one thing that's come out is Peter is kind of the Homer Simpson of Scripture. Sometimes he gets it really right, and sometimes he's like, don't, gets it really wrong. And this is a big moment for Peter, because when it's really important, when it's vital, Peter gets it right. Peter has decided to make Jesus his strong foundation, to put his faith into the person, presence, and power of Jesus Christ. Because everything Peter does and everything Peter builds his life to be from this point forwards is based around that faith in Jesus. Jesus becomes the foundation for the rest of Peter's life. And here's the thing. When you lay your foundation in Jesus Christ, it changes everything. Faith in Jesus fundamentally changes who we are and what we are called to. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3.11 tells us, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Our world tells us that you can build your life on anything, but Jesus is the only foundation that we can build on to live a life that's worth living. Being a good person? No. Keeping rules? No. Live your best life now? Absolutely not. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's always been Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It can only ever be Jesus because Jesus alone is the strong foundation on which we need to build our lives if we want them to be worth living. And Peter has this incredible revelation from God about who Jesus is, what he's doing and why it matters. And it is with Jesus as his foundation that Peter's whole perspective and purpose changes. Before this point, Peter was just a, a loud, gobby, unstable fisherman who keeps messing up. And yet Jesus says to him, you are the rock on which I will build my church. Now, if Peter had listened to popular opinion or the views of others on who Jesus was or what he'd done, his life would never have been transformed. But instead, he has made Jesus the foundation of his life. So then, Jesus calls Peter a rock. And you read that, and it sounds a bit mental. When you look at Scripture before this, you wouldn't trust Peter to build a flat-packed wardrobe, let alone a church. And yet, after this moment, Peter does become that rock. His faith is the bedrock on which the church is built. And the thing about rocks is, Often they're, they're rough around the edges. They're dirty. Often they don't fit. They've got huge cracks in them. Often they crumble. And yet Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're what I'm going to use to build my church. And it's important to realize that when Jesus is talking to Peter, he's talking to one guy, but also Jesus is speaking prophetically through Peter to us today. In fact, the word that Jesus uses for church in the Greek is ecclesia, literally a gathering of people. 
Jesus has called all of you to be part of his church. Each of us, if we decide to make Jesus the foundation on which we build our lives, can become like Peter. Each of us can become the rock on which Jesus will build his church. Because Jesus sees our dirt. He sees our shame, our guilt, our hurts. They don't shock him. Jesus isn't embarrassed by your failure. He isn't ashamed of your sin. He isn't hurt by all the times you've messed up. He sees each of you and he says, on this rock, I will build my church. Because when we make Jesus the foundation for our lives by putting our faith in him, our lives become the building blocks for the kingdom of God. Our faith becomes the rock on which God's church is built. And Jesus and Jesus alone is the foundation. So here's the thing. Jesus is a solid foundation. We are are not. When Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church, he's taking a chance on Peter. Later in the Bible, we see Peter mess up time and time and time again. And yet Jesus still says, you are the rock on which I will build this church. And we will do the same. None of us will get it right. We will all mess up over and over again. And yet Jesus still chooses us to be the foundation for the church that he is building. So because Jesus says, on this church, I will build my, on this rock, I will build my church, Jesus is the one building his church, not us. Peter doesn't have to carry the burden, the struggle, the hurts that come with a life that tries to serve God. Because trying to do this Jesus thing in our own strength, it's hard. None of us will ever get it right. None of us are good enough to ever get it right. But the weight is not on our shoulders. Jesus is the one building his church. He might use us, but Jesus is the one piecing things together. He is the cornerstone for the church that is being built. And Jesus uses the words, my church. This isn't Peter's church. It's not a church of some bloke in a fancy hat. It's not my church. It's not your church. It belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. Acts 20.28 tells us that Jesus bought the church with his blood, his death on the cross. And that church isn't a building. It's people. It's you. It's me. It's all of us. Jesus died for us. And when we accept that free gift, of his forgiveness and love through his death and resurrection, we can become the part of the church that he's building in us, through us, and on us. And Jesus goes on to say that the gates of hell will not overcome it. When Jesus builds his church with us as the rock, we will encounter all kinds of opposition in this life. But when Christ is our foundation, when he is what we've chosen to build our lives on, then we are given new life, new purpose. We are filled with God's Holy Spirit. In Matthew 5, Jesus calls those who he makes, the rock on which he builds his church, the light of the world. When Jesus is our foundation, we carry his light, his power, and his hope into a dark and broken world. Now, if you've ever gone into a dark room, it's not dark because the darkness is so strong or overpowering. It's dark because there's no light in there. It's the same here. Jesus uses the word gate. Now, a gate is generally designed to keep something out. 
So when Jesus says the gates of hell will not stop the church, what he means is there's nothing that can keep out the love of God. There's no barrier it can't kick down. Nothing can stop the incredible, never-stopping, furious, crazy, insane love of a holy God. We carry God's love into a world that is desperately in need of it. The church that God is building, it's a church of extraordinary people that are chosen by him, that are called by him, that are equipped by him to bring breakthrough, tear down strongholds, bring new life and joy and hope again, and nothing can stop what God is doing. That is the church that Jesus wants to build through you, in you, and with you. Doesn't that sound like a life that's worth living? And Jesus is the foundation. So I guess the question is, what do we do with all this? What do you do with this idea that Jesus is the foundation? Guys, without over-spiritualizing stuff, this life is really difficult. A lot of us are trying to find our feet in a world that feels increasingly out of control. You only have to look at the media and find 50 reasons to be scared. So the right foundations are important now more than ever. Maybe some of us are in the storm right now, and the foundation we've built our life on is looking a little bit shaky. This life is hard. Cost of living, COVID, singleness, employment, relationships. Where's the storm hitting you right now? Maybe now what we need to do is to ask Jesus, help me put my foundations in you again. Restore my faith in you. Help me and what I'm building stand the storm. Maybe for some of us, we have our, our faith in Jesus. We've been doing this Christian thing a long time, but we, we might be frustrated about what God is building through us. Maybe when Jesus says, on this rock, I'll build my church, you look and think, well, there's not much there. Or we feel like our prayers go unanswered, or we feel like we've heard from God about something, and yet nothing ever seems to happen. There are places in my life where I've heard from God, and clearly, and yet it never seems to work, and maybe you're in the same boat. Ministry, marriage, childlessness, employment, I don't know what that looks like for you. And yet when Jesus says, I will build my church, maybe we need to realize that God is the one building it, not us. Maybe we don't need to feel that pressure to succeed, the guilt of failure, or the burden to keep going on when life gets too hard. A life transformed by Jesus isn't about trying harder. It's about trusting him. It's not about our performance for God. It's about his mercy for us. Maybe we need to pray, God, get us out of our own way and build your church on this rock. And maybe for some of you, maybe you've, you've never experienced Jesus truly as your foundation. Maybe you've never placed your trust in him or inherited the faith of your parents, or maybe your faith isn't what it could be. You feel distant from God, or maybe you've walked away in your heart. Jesus is calling you to make him your foundation, to build your life on who he is. Because we are made for a perfect relationship with God. We're designed to have strong foundations, but we mess that up with our own sin. All of us can be selfish or greedy or mean, and that sin, our mistakes are what keep us separate from God. It separates us from our true and strong foundation. 
But Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. He was tortured, beaten, mutilated, and murdered on a cross. His death paid the cost for our sin. And because of that, we can be restored to a perfect relationship with a holy and living God. Jesus becomes our foundation because we cannot and will never do it ourselves. And it's when we have Jesus as our foundation that God takes us from sinful to saved, from wrecked to redeemed, from broken to made new, from death to new life in him. And that's the foundation of faith that Christ is building. And that foundation is what Jesus builds his church on. And we are the rock on which Christ will build his church. Guys, the decision you make today will determine the story you tell tomorrow. I don't know where any of you are at with God. But make the right decision. Make Jesus your foundation, whether that's for the first time or the hundredth time. Because when we do that, When we secure our feet and our faith on the rock of Jesus Christ, when he becomes our foundation, the church that Jesus builds in us, through us, and on us is a church that will change the world. The triumphant power of the risen and living Christ can bring hope to the hopeless, restoration to the broken, healing to the hurting. The church is the hope of the world, and the church that Jesus builds carries the truth of Christ. It carries God's love and it stands in the gap for a broken and hurting world desperately in need of hope now more than ever. That is the church that God is building in us, through us and on us. And Jesus and Jesus alone is the foundation. Right now we're going to pray, Jesus, become our foundation. Build your church on this rock. Don't bow your heads. Don't close your eyes. Leave your heads up and eyes open because God is calling you to bold surrender today. Father God, thank you that you choose us. Thank you that you call us to be your church. Jesus, I pray you would become our foundation again, whether that's the first time or the hundredth time. Build your church on this rock. Build it in us, through us, and with us. Father, thank you that we will never be the same again when we secure our feet on the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen.